0: Notre Dame has a lot of future NFL talent on its current roster, but there's a few guys who stand above the rest. Find out who on today's edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On
1: Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on and welcome to Lockdown Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Thursday, October 26th. And thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and now I'm a college football producer for Fox Sports. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the show, we got Notre Dame alum and NFL draft analyst Mike Renner on to break down the top five future NFL draft prospects on Notre Dame's roster. Plus, we'll get into Sam Hartman's development and if he's been able to improve his draft stock while at Notre Dame. And then we'll talk about which young players have the most potential. We covered a lot in this one, so let's get right into it. All right, I'm here with Mike Renner, a fellow Notre Dame alum and the host of our new show here at the Lockdown Podcast Network called Renner Ranks. Mike is also a draft analyst for the Messenger, and in the spirit of your new show, Mike, I want to start by asking you to rank the top five future NFL draft prospects on Notre Dame's roster. So it's not exclusive to the 24 draft, and some of this is going to be based on projections. But I'm interested to hear who you think are the top five, and then you can kind of take it any direction you want. Awesome. So, on, so on my show, we count. From
1: five to one you, we build the suspense so I'll go from five to one here um for me number five right now I, I think you said include anyone in Notre Dame's roster I, I honestly think Jeremiah Love is going to be a stud running back prospect when he comes out now obviously it's going to be a few years and it's a good thing for Notre Dame but man the, the dynamism this guy has I, I don't think Notre Dame's had a back that's as shifty and as explosive out of his cuts as he has in Gosh, I'm trying to think of the last one. It's not really a running back, you, Notre Dame, but like they really haven't had a guy like that in a long time. So I put him in number five with the potential to go higher because just, you know, you never know how it's going to end up. But number four right now, I would go Howard Cross, the DT. I think he's going to be a day two pick. Yeah. I think he's playing his way into that potential. Now, obviously, he doesn't have the great size for an NFL prospect, but his performance week in and week out is just, it just, He's good, man. Like he's got he, he's he's taken his game just to another level, plays with great leverage. I, I think like teams that want a three tech or just interior pass rush, he is going to help that out. So I think he can play his way into a day two pick now at this point. Number three, I'm gonna go with his line mate there, Riley Mills. He's kind of, you know, I don't think he's as impactful as Howard Cross has been this year, but has really improved in his own right and also like far more pro-typical NFL body than Howard Cross, right? He's got get off. I think it was Bruce Feldman's freaks list guy. He's probably going to blow up the combine and he's a guy who may even be like better at the NFL level than he really was at college or just like get better as his career progresses. And then the top two, I think everyone knows the order of them. I don't know just yet. Cause I think Benjamin Morrison could be a special prospect when it all said and done, but I'm going to put him at number two right now. Cause we know who number one is and we know how good he's going to be. And we know he's probably gonna be a top 10 pick, but Benjamin Morrison is just, I mean, he's the best corner I can remember at Notre Dame. The, the guy's, and that's obviously me going to school there from 08 to 2012. So then on really, uh, cause I wasn't much of a Notre Dame fan growing up, but then on he's probably, he's probably going to be the best corner that I've seen there. And just week in and week out, he's got great ball skills for the position. That's something that's even more, uh, even growing in sort of importance at the NFL level. So he's number two, Joe Alt, left tackle. Number one, he's freaking awesome, man. He's just, he's good, clean prospect, technically sound, doesn't lose. Guy's going to go to the NFL, be 15 years, possibly a future Hall of Famer. He's just, he's just so damn good. So, Joe Wall <laughs> is the number, prospect, the number one prospect.
0: Okay, I love this list, and I have questions about all of your picks. But let's start with number one, Joe Wall. Okay. He's got the size, and his, his story is just so incredible. The fact that he came in as like a tight end and – played in his true freshman season basically out of necessity because Notre Dame had no other offensive lineman to play at that point because they were all injured. And now, a couple years later, he's going to probably be the first Notre Dame offensive lineman to enter the NFL draft after their junior season and then end up being a top 10 pick. So he's obviously very talented, but what is it that separates Joe Walt from being just like a really good tackle prospect that goes in the second or third round to a truly special Top 10 first tackle off the board type of a prospect.
1: Now, unfortunately I don't think he's gonna be the first tackle off the board because there's oh, a guy Lou? at Penn State who's pretty yeah. special too, who moves like a freak of nature. But so alt doesn't actually have that. That's like the interesting thing about alt is he's not like Blake Fisher on the right side is more athletic. You know, he'll test better at the combine. He has more prototypical traits, shall we say? But traits are only take you so far. Tackle is like truly is a skill position. Um, At any level of football, it's blocking a guy takes a lot of skill and the block consistently uh, takes even more like consistency is the nature of offensive line play. It's don't lose. Right. You don't need the crushing blocks that move guys five yards off the line of scrimmage. Those are fine. We want those, but you don't need those. You need to not let your guy into the backfield uh, on pass plays and run plays consistently. You can do that. You're going to start in the NFL for a long time. And Joe Walt does that better than any tackle. I've seen at the collegiate level this year. Truly, it's just like, I mean, you can't sort of, you can't coach the pedigree that he has, right? Your father playing a decade in the NFL along the offensive line, probably teaching him since he was, you know, coming out the crib. The guy's guys like, got he just has, you know, innate technique and innate skill that uh, you can't get to that level at, that it just makes you feel really confident that he's going to be good at the NFL because that's what it looks like. And then obviously his size. I mean, you watch him on tape and it's like, his butt sticks out about a foot above everyone else in his stance. Cause he's six, eight and just absolutely massive. And just now he's not the most fleet of foot, but he's just so such an imposing presence to have to go through that. Not a lot of guys like I, miles Murphy last year Is a game. I keep going back to just being like, he's one of the biggest, strongest defensive ends you'll see at the collegiate level. And alt stonewalled them all just dropped anchor on him repeatedly in that game. Didn't let him in within, you know, a foot of the quarterback until, uh, It was it broke out of the pocket on one of those plays and got sacked, but that uh, he's just all just all those things together makes you feel like you're just getting a really, really safe pick at offensive tackle, which really, really safe pick at offensive tackle is a top 10 pick for most teams with how much how desperate they are for pass protection.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the common answer. It's just he does everything right. He doesn't have the highlight plays like Quentin Nelson did when he was coming out of college, when he was flattening dudes at at all levels there, but Joe is so big and he's so consistent. It makes sense. But quick aside from your top five, you mentioned Blake Fisher, and to me – it seems like he's regressed a little bit this year. I'm not really sure why that is. And it could be that he's hurt, or it could just be that I'm wrong, that my expectations for him were too high. So it's not that he he regressed as much as he hasn't lived up to those expectations. But you said that he'll probably test better. So do you think he should leave after this season, or do you think he's going to come back? Like, what do you think he has to improve upon?
1: Absolutely not. I, I do not think he should leave. I, I think he's a guy who you know, when you, when you are that physically gifted, right, your ceiling is high. Your ceiling can get up to top five, top 10 pick. You know, not everyone can necessarily get to that level of draft selection based off of just like physical ability, because it's still a traits based position Uh, everywhere in the NFL, traits based position when you're drafting that highly. And so he could get up to that point right now. He's not even the day two pick though. Like I I didn't include him on that top five list because like you mentioned, the performance isn't up to snuff. The consistency is not there. Like he's, waist bending far too regularly in his past sets and just it's a no, no, you know, if he got, if he played and play an NFL game tomorrow, it's it'd be a nightmare. So he's just far away in his technique and his consistency that, that, you know, he's got two more years left of eligibility after this. So I would, you know, if I were advising him, I would say at least one, if not use both of those, because uh you need the reps, you need the reps against like the proper competition too. Like the more, if he went to and played against NFL guys consistently next season, he would just get demoralized. So you you can't you can't make that big of a leap, in my opinion. So he really needs you know at least one more year of collegiate football to hone in on that the consistency aspect of the position.
0: Yeah, I I think Notre Dame definitely needs him next year as well. So that's encouraging for you to hear. I hope he takes that advice and uh, comes back to Notre Dame next season. But let's get back to your list. You have Benjamin Morrison at two. And while I agree, he's definitely going to be a first or second round draft pick once he's eligible after next season. But I actually think Cam Hart has been the better cornerback so far this season. He's played just lights out. He surprised us all when he decided to come back for a fifth year to improve his stock. He's been healthy. And I know that he can't like wash away all of his injury history. That's going to come up in the draft process. But how has Cam Hart's performance elevated his draft stock after the season?
1: Yeah, going into this year, he was like fringe draftable, in my opinion. And obviously, I think that's why he returned. But he's put himself into the top 100 conversation now. I'm not sure he's gone all the way there. He's still not necessarily the twitchiest of athletes. He's got gr- great straight line speed. He's great on the edge and great like as a press outside corner. But not a guy that's super versatile. I worry about him as a tackler a little bit still. And obviously, like in their Dame's defense, how they scheme it up he doesn't really get utilized in that. Like that's not what he's getting asked to do and that's fine. That's like good for him. But at the NFL level, most schemes nowadays with kind of the rise of this off coverage play, you know, play downhill, keep a cap on everything. Your corners are tacklers. Nowadays you got, you got to be able to. So it's, so if you're not, if you're not a positive, if you're not a plus tackler, if you're not a willing and capable tackler, a lot of teams are just not going to be high on their boards. And then so you're just, you're only going to be limited to a certain amount of teams that are going to be covering your skill set. So it's kind of how I feel about him. But again, the, the performance this year has been so good on the outside. He's so good at the line of scrimmage and that makeup speed. I think uh, he's been great about avoiding kind of penalties uh when he does get beat deep and, and does have to recover. Uh, I think he's been excellent this year, uh, in those sort of vertical route situations.
0: Yeah. If you look at the stats, uh teams just really aren't throwing it hard. Like, I think he's only been targeted 19 times. He's given up eight receptions for less than 100 yards. So his stats, like tackles, pass breakups, picks, like none of that is going to blow you away, but it just seems like when he's out there, that side of the field is shut off, and then teams try to throw out Morrison, and then he makes plays. So Notre Dame's corners are in a great spot. So you have Mills over Cross. Cross has definitely been more of a productive player this season, but you mentioned the size. To me, Cross seems like a guy who could continue to play his way up draft boards, not even just through the regular season, but once he goes to the senior bowl or wherever he ends up playing that postseason game after this season, realistically, what do you think his, his floor is and his ceiling is as an NFL draft prospect? So
1: anytime you're talking about a guy in like the six to six, one range, which I believe is where Howard cross ends up, it's, it's tricky because you're, just a lot of defensive coordinators don't even want that guy on their roster, right? Like they don't want a guy who's sort of, you know, tackle radius ability to, they worry about your ability to get off blocks and finish plays when you're that short. They want guys who can stick on a block and then shut at the last minute, finish a play. And that's not kind of, you know, it's it's not the profile when you're uh, that size and that kind of arm length. So he's already kind of an acquired taste for certain defenses. But to me, he reminds me of, Gosh, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. The guy who went to the Los Angeles Rams in the third round this past year, who was playing at Wake Forest last year, very similar sort of profile, really blanking on the name, feel horrible about that, but that there's still a chance that those guys go day two, that that guy goes day two. like that. He went in the third round, very similar sort of body type. If you have a three technique in your defense and you're a penetrating sort of defense, you're not going to worry about Howard Cross's arm length. You're not going to worry about his height. And so – To me, it's again, like those guys are hard to predict where they fall. So the thing is ceiling. I would say in like the 70 ish range of where he could get drafted floor. I mean, Grady Jarrett coming out of Clemson. I felt similarly about him. And he was a six foot tall defensive tackle. He dropped all the way to the fifth round. So third to fifth, top of the third, middle of the fifth. If he goes lower than that, I would be absolutely floored. You're just, you're, you can't. Pass on, there's only so many players who actually are playing the game well in the NFL draft at the end of the day. And if you're passing on him when it gets around pick like 125, 130, I have questions about like your draft process. I just have questions about what you're prioritizing in that because he's a just, you know, he's going to be a darn good football player. Maybe he's got limitations, but you know, he's going to be darn good.
0: By the way, that guy that you forgot, Kobe Turner.
1: Kobe Turner, there you go. Similar, similar about He went to the Shrine Bowl.
0: There you go. And yeah, third round draft pick. That's pretty damn good. And the fact that Howard Cross is even has the potential to be a third round draft pick seems pretty crazy because going into the season, I thought he'd be a good player this year. Never would have guessed he'd be as productive as he's been this season. We'll be right back with Mike to talk more about Notre Dame's NFL draft prospects, including where Audric Esame might land in this draft. But first, I wanted to tell you about prize picks. Price Picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game where you pick 2 to 6 players and if they will do more or less than their Price Picks projections. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Price Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling and withdrawals. I've been playing prize picks recently. I have no idea why I waited so long. And what I love most about it is that you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked college and use code locked college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact their hiring manager, learn more about a role, and eventually I got a job. LinkedIn also makes it incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about Riley Mills. He's got all the traits. We've heard about all the traits for years. This year, it seems like he's uh, thriving at a more natural position on the inside as opposed to playing strong side end, which he played last season. And at the beginning of the year, it was a little bit slow for him. But I feel like lately, uh, especially in that USC and the Louisville game as well, uh, he's really started to produce on the field. Have there been moments this season watching his tape where like, okay, now we're starting to put it all together a little bit. It's not just the traits. He's actually doing it on the field. I really
1: thought it was the Ohio state game where I was like, okay, he showed up, you know, in a real, cause last year against Ohio state week one, he's playing like off the edge going against DeWan Jones. And that's just, it's not who he's going to be. Right. That's not the, it's not going to be his skill set whatsoever at the next level. So that in that Ohio state game this year, I thought he was really impactful, played a ton of snaps in that game. And I thought like held up against, you know, a game that you needed him to show up. Right. So, um, that was when I was like, okay, this guy's, you know, maybe not gonna be a first rounder. I don't think I think there's too much talent in this year's first round. But with his traits, with the kind of progression year on year, you see it. Like when the arrows continuously pointed upwards, which I think it's been for Mills pretty much every single year of his career, and then going to where what would be more his natural position, which was, you know, I think he's probably gonna be like a guy who plays three tech, four, five, you know, right over the guard to right over the tackle. That's like a sweet spot uh that he can be effective at with that length with that height that he has uh to his advantage that that's a guy that's like a moldable clay that you like with all that uh sort of like i said the improvement that we've seen from him over the years so um yeah i I do think he's you know for better or worse going to get drafted ahead of howard cross just because of how the nfl views just the draft in that it's you're going up against big dudes at the next level and you better have you better have uh You better have size, power, explosiveness to play on the line of scrimmage at the NFL or else, you know, it just doesn't look quite as good once you get to the next level. And Riley Mills, he has all those things.
0: So Riley Mills does have eligibility left. You don't expect him to use that?
1: I would be floored if he does. Now, you know, again, when you are to that caliber of athlete, which he is like, he is a first round caliber athlete. He could make his way into that sort of position, but yeah, I mean, the money does get pretty low once you get to day two, but uh, but like the injury risk at this point, once you're going out, I, I would be very surprised if he comes back.
0: All right. That brings us to five, Jeremiah Love. But before we get to Love, I want to ask you about Audrey Esme because he is running back one for Notre Dame right now. And I think he only has four to five games left in a Notre Dame uniform because He's been a productive back, and I feel like if you're a running back, after three years, you got to get to the NFL because eventually being a running back is going to take a toll on you physically. So maximize your value while he can. So there's really not that many guys built like Audric Estimate, but he doesn't really have that overpowering force sometimes like you might expect. Like when he's one-on-one in the open field, he actually does go down pretty easily but still, he does have some really impressive traits that should translate to the NFL. What do you think his ceiling is as an NFL draft prospect? I think I'd be surprised if he snuck
1: into day two, truthfully. Just one with running backs being devalued. You only get nowadays three or four backs drafted by the end of day two, sometimes four or five. Like, yeah, sometimes maybe a little bit more than that. But like, in this year's class, I I would be surprised if we saw more than five running backs go by the end of day two. And so I wouldn't put him as top five back in this class. I'd put him more in like the 10 to 12 range among running backs in this draft class at the moment. He's just, he's got solid breakaway, like for his size, speed combo and kind of his running style, I think it's all very translatable, but I think you hit the nail on the head there. That it's just like, he feels like he has a low ceiling. Once he gets to the next level, it feels like there's not a next step to his game in terms of tackle breaking ability in terms of, you know, being able to consistently churn yardage after contact that he's just a solid back that you're probably not too uh, upset about having in your lineup, but also I don't think you're ever going to call him a bell cow. You're not going to feature him in the passing game. You're not going to do a lot of the other things that uh, could make him a guy that'd be coveted at the next level. So Um, To me, he's probably like a fourth to fifth rounder at this point, I'd say.
0: Okay, I can see that. And that's still good enough for him to declare for the draft after this season. So I expect him to leave. So the two guys behind him, you've already mentioned one of them, Jeremiah Love. I also think Jadarian Price has a chance to be special as well. And now we're at the point in the season where like both of those guys probably deserve some more touches. Um, But Jeremiah Love is sort of jump price as a true freshman. You've already talked about it a little bit. What makes him such a special prospect already basically where you're seeing the flashes and where do you think he can improve the most uh, as he gets a little bit older
1: Yeah you just kind of running back and just like anyone any ball carrier like truthfully like wide receiver as well you kind of just you see it immediately right that ability that is the explosiveness out of your cuts the flexibility into the cuts like how 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 able how well you're able to even like turn and things like that that just he does things that the guy we're just talking about, Audrick Estime, just isn't capable of even doing physically. Like He could not do it if he tried to do some of the things that Jeremiah loves, capable love. of. So the biggest thing with him is just get to estimate size, right? Now, you're not going to get to <laughs> estimate size at 227 yeah. or whatever he <laughs> just is. Just hit the weight like, room. Get to get to NFL running back size. Like Right now, he's borderline, and I think that's why he's kind of just in this medium role is because he's not going to – Churn a pile at sub 200 pounds. He's not going to do, you know, a lot of things estimate does well. He's not going to do well. So they are kind of like two vastly different skill sets. But just, you know, when you're a freshman coming in and you're that, you can add 15, 20 pounds. I, I would think, I would say fairly easily, it's going to be hard work, but like he could get to that range of backs, you know, and if he gets up to 215, all of a sudden he has, uh, you know, that tackle breaking ability just goes to the next level with guys having to bounce off your legs. So I think that's just the biggest thing with him. Play strength, add that, and you're talking about a guy who's, you know, day two pick at worst, at running back, in my opinion.
0: All right, we made it nearly 20 minutes, and we have not mentioned Sam Hartman. This might be the first time that's ever happened on a Notre Dame podcast in the year 2023, so let's talk about the quarterback Obviously, a big reason why I came to Notre Dame was to play in a pro style offense and try to improve his draft stock. I think he's been great for the Irish all season, but has it been enough to change the perception of him from NFL scouts?
1: I doubt it, truthfully, unfortunately for him. I mean, it's he's, it's been enough to improve like his social media standing and his career in media if he wants <laughs> one, but it's That's not true. been enough to, uh, in my opinion, get him drafted higher by the NFL just because... Kind of what I say off the top, it's so, such a physically based league. Like you, how teams evaluate is what can you do physically first? How do you play football second? And what he can do physically is just way down the totem pole in terms of collegiate quarterbacks. Like he's not tall, doesn't have a big arm, he's nimble, but not like, you know, overtly a runner um, that you're going to feature in an offense by any means. So there's just a limited skill set there when projecting the next level. And when you have a limited skill set. You better be flawless, right? You, you cannot make mistakes. You cannot uh, miss throws. And so I don't think he's been that by any means. He's been great for Notre Dame, like our expectations versus like what Notre Dame's had in the past is so far, so far better than, you know, what we've become accustomed to here that, you know, love him as a Notre Dame quarterback, but when you're projecting the pros, and especially in this quarterback class that has just like so many dudes that are so physically gifted, that just the NFL is going to take the chance on them because of what they could be. Because when you have an arm to the caliber that Hartman's is, which is, you know, would be if he started in the NFL, like it's Brock Purdy esque, right? Like in terms of what he brings to the table and Brock Purdy was Mr. Relevant, Right. And now he's well exceeded those expectations at the NFL level, but that's where that got kind of guy goes when you are, have that level of tools. So I don't think he's uh, boosted his stock enough here with his forms at Notre Dame, even if he has been uh, pretty darn good this year.
0: Yeah. It's crazy to think that like Hartman is probably not going to get drafted. And yet Ian book went in the fourth round. And to be clear, I love Ian book. I love Ian book. I don't want this to be like Ian book slander, but I don't know. Maybe you could give me some insight. How did that happen? (laughs) That happens.
1: I, I actually know how that happened. Um, it was, it was Jeff Ireland went to bat for him. Um, And Jeff Ireland is responsible for a lot of their best picks over the years. And they gave him some leeway and said, sure, we will uh, take him." Thought the leadership qualities were uh, worth developing. And well, that didn't, uh, that never came to fruition, obviously. I actually have some funny stories there from behind the scenes that I probably can't tell on the podcast. But basically, he was, in my opinion, a worse prospect than Sam Hartman. And that was just a limb that no one in the rest of the NFL would have done. He was gonna go undrafted if it wasn't for the Saints drafting him. So the fourth round was wild to me.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't think I thought maybe worst case he'd go like the very last round, but wow, he was going to go undrafted. And the Saints are like, we got him here. And all because of one guy.
1: <laughs> well Jeff Arlen track record's pretty nails. The Saints have been it went, since he's been there, probably the best pick for pick drafting team in the NFL. Now they haven't had a ton of picks because they trade a lot of them away, but they've been exceptional that
0: one, not so much. Mike and I still have more to get to, including is Mitchell Evans going to declare for the NFL draft. But first I wanted to tell you about FanDuel. snap into the action. This NFL season with America's number one sports book right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is so easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over unders and more. I gave out my pick this week. I'm taking Oregon minus six and a half on the road against Utah. I know it feels like a tricky pick, especially going up against Utah right now, but I think the Ducks are going to get a statement win on Saturday. So visit fanduelcom such lockdown and kick off the NFL season. Fandle an official partner of the NFL. All right. I want to take a step back and look at the team and specifically the defense from a big picture view, because I've heard you say that you believe this is Notre Dame's most talented defense that they've had in years. And They've been terrific all season long. I'm not disagreeing with that at all, but I was a little bit surprised to hear you say that they have more talent just considering the fact that they lack elite edge rushers. And, you know, you think back to that 2018 defense when they had Julian Aguara, Khalid Cream, guys like that. So what do you think it is about this defense that sort of stands out above the rest?
1: I think it's the D-tackles first. I mean, I can't remember a D-tackle duo since, you know, what was it, Knicks, to it way back I mean, to the national championship year, right? Like that, you haven't had anything you know, comparable to that. And that's, you have two D tackles the way they got, you control the line of scrimmage, you control run games, you control, you know, that's been Alabama's superpower, Georgia's superpowers. When you have those two guys in the middle, it forces everything outside and it really shuts down a lot of opponents running games and it's interior pressure on collegiate quarterbacks is the, <laughs> is the best way to affect opposing passing games. So that, Combined within two NFL corners, right? How many times have they had that combination? And two like higher level NFL corners. We're talking about uh, Cam Hart as a possible back of day two pick. We're talking about Benjamin Morrison as a first rounder. Like they haven't had that level. And, And then I just think they have a lot of guys who are like their linebackers. I think are awesome collegiate players. You know, they they aren't the toolsiest, but at the college level, like you need more instincts, you need more want to, you need more. Other traits to be successful, like how you see the game and those sort of things matter more than just like running a 4-4 like it does the NFL level. And so I think they have a lot of guys who are very good collegiate players, too. So I think that's why I said they're one of the most talented defenses, just because those things all kind of translate. And also think like Marcus Freeman knows defense like that's I, I, I've i loved his scheme ever since what he was running at Cincinnati. I think it's just very sound principally uh, principle. Princi- principle-wise, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say there. But I think, he's, I think he just knows defense, and that's also you know, a factor in it.
0: All right, last question before we let you go. Two guys who have certainly elevated their draft stock in recent weeks that, frankly, I would not have guessed going into the season, one being Mitchell Evans and the other being Xavier Watts. Now, Xavier Watts is... Coming off maybe one of the best individual performances I've ever seen by a Notre Dame defender, I don't know if that's enough to put him on draft boards for this upcoming NFL draft or anything like that. But those two prospects are are Notre Dame fans going to have to be worried that they're going to uh, declare after the season now after what they've done recently? I don't
1: think so. I, I you you don't just like it, I, I think the like the way NFL evaluates like it's hard to really shoot up boards right. Like you you take the breadth of a guy's sort of career into account uh and not just like what has he done the past handful of games and unless the past handful of games unless it's like a real elite stretch and uh it was against real elite competition then you can you know change an opinion on guys but i do think that uh both those guys i would expect to come back i think evans especially like he to me is just he doesn't have he doesn't have the tools that would get drafted highly even if he was like more productive than he's even been this year. I mean, if we had like 500, 600 yards, I think he'd be coming back just because the NFL eval would come back and it would say probably day three.
0: Did you see this coming at all from Evans? Because it has totally shocked me.
1: I did not. Um, he's, he's way exceeded my expectations. And even just like watching him game to game, I'm like, how does he keep doing this? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. man, he really like, even like, I expected to like cool off at some point and he really hasn't. So I, uh, hats off to him. He's playing off his mind. All
0: right. I know you're doing a lot of great work. So please take this opportunity to promote everything you've got going on for us here at the Locked On Network and, and everywhere else, because I know you're doing a lot.
1: Yeah, you can check out rent ranks wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's 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 kind of a crossover between NFL and draft prospects. So we do a bit of both, uh, depending on the day. And you can find all my written work over at themessenger.com. So
0: that's where I'm at. All right, man. I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. For sure, Tyler. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners, tomorrow we will be doing another mailbag episode, so if you've got questions, send them in. Uh, You can send them on Twitter, at LockedOnIrish, or slide in the Instagram DMs, at LockedOnIrishPod. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever listening to the podcast. I really appreciate every one of you who has done it already, and I love doing this show, and your support means a lot. So thank you guys so much. Same time, same place tomorrow. I'll see you then.